and edify. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray that You would feed us good things, wondrous things. Reveal true things tonight, I pray. Help us, Lord Jesus, to enter into Your presence with joy and with gladness and with thanksgiving. Help us, Lord Jesus, to receive of You everything that You have in store for us. As Your Word goes forth, help us to receive the Word of truth. Help us to possess it, to take ownership of it. Help us to act upon it, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that Your name would be glorified in our midst today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would move us closer to You. Cause us to become more like You. Let Your great and mighty name be magnified and lifted up and worshipped and glorified here. Let the perfect will of God be manifest in our service today. Hallelujah, Jesus. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing tonight. You can be seated. Before we start, uh, just a very quick announcement. The youth game night uh, that was scheduled for this Saturday is canceled. Amen. Uh, More to follow on that. But, uh, yeah, I'm sad too. But we'll get another one. All right. Our Scripture texts will be found in uh, both 1 Peter chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 10. It's still not the right time, is it? So I got three hours. That's what Brother DeMuth told me. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11 says this, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And also Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8 says this, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Amen. We're going to talk as the Lord allows me and gives me time tonight, all three hours of it, on this topic, tools. Tools. Now, When someone calls someone a tool, it's generally not meant as a compliment. Did you hear what that guy said? That guy must... What a tool. What a tool he is. I'd never heard that for a very long time until I I was in Minnesota. I think that's the first time I heard that phrase is in Minnesota. Calling someone a tool. But tools... Tools, we all have tools. Tools are nice. Sometimes tools are even necessary. When you're a carpenter, I mean, you could do the job with a hammer and a saw, I suppose. But, uh, man, it's really nice to have a, a circular saw and a uh, uh, pneumatic nailer. That makes the job a whole lot easier. 
Now, there are good things and bad things about having those kinds of tools. I mean, they're more expensive and they take more maintenance. But man, when they work, they work really nice. When I was doing drywall, I started with a hawk and a trawl. I can do it in an entire house in a hawk and a trawl. But it takes a long time to do it with hand tools. When I have a box and a, a, a bazooka, I can do it a whole lot quicker. Of course, they're more expensive and they take more maintenance. But uh, they call it a bazooka. It's not a, a real bazooka. <laughs> of course, that's a tool too, isn't it? If the job is going wrong. That's right. No more job. <laughs> there are some things about tools that I want to talk about tonight that will apply spiritually, of course, to us. When Jesus uses someone, we sometimes say that, that we're a tool that He's using, a tool in His hand, a weapon in His hand. Uh, and I'd like to explore that analogy tonight. Because in, in many ways, that is exactly what we are. Uh, when God does a work, uh, He uses tools to do it. Namely, you and I. And... Uh, a lot of things about tools. Now, this pulpit here. What a good job those tools did. Those tools must be really awesome. Skilled. Isn't that right, Brother Rapids? We can sit here and admire the work that those tools did. Right? Amen. Such skill... The tools did it, right? The tools ought to get the credit. Tools ought to get the glory. Not. Absolutely not. Nobody ever thinks that way. They praise the craftsman, don't they? Brother Rapids did a good job. He used some tools, made the job easier. But even in that, you got to know how to use the tools. What tools to use and when to use them. First thing I want to talk about tools is uh, you get what you pay for. You really do get what you pay for. When you buy a buck 298 tool, you get a buck 298 job. And there are some things there are some things where you can you can buy something at a discount and it works good. I had a uh, I had a skill drill. Those of you that know power tools knows that that's not top shelf. That's uh, that's a pretty cheap power tool. But I I bought it because that's all the money I had at the time and I needed it right now. So I can afford this. This will this will get me through the job anyway. I'll get paid. I'll get something better. Well, that thing lasted me a solid five, six years. Praise God. Uh, that uh, got water on it, mud. I was constantly breaking mud off of the thing. Kept working. I know that was God. Uh, because that just that's not a skill tool right there. 
That's disposable. You get what you pay for. 2 Samuel 24.24 says this, And the king said unto Arunah, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. We understand that in spiritual things, there's a price to be paid. And that price is determined by what it's worth. By what it's worth. If I'm not paying anything, I'm not getting anything. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And 1 Peter 1, 18, 19 says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I got pretty attached to my tools. I really liked what they could do for me. But never, never in my career has it crossed my mind that I might die for my tools. They're not worth it to me. I paid a pretty penny for some of them, but not enough to die for. Jesus died for me. He died for you. You get what you pay for. Jesus paid for us. He paid the ultimate price for us. What's He getting in return, folks? When I go out into my tool shed, I don't have as many tools as I'd like, but I have several. In any particular task that I'm trying to accomplish, I'm probably not going to use all of the tools. I'll use some of the tools for this, other tools for that, yet other tools for something else. Now, it's true that I have on occasion used a wrench to try to hammer a nail in. I've used a screwdriver, the end of a screwdriver, trying to pound something in. But nothing works quite as nice as a nice hammer to pound a nail in. Now, before I even started doing drywall and before I, <laughs> before I could use tools of any kind, uh, my wife and I bought our first house a while ago now, and uh, we built it. Hired a construction company. They built us a house, and I had to put a... a mailbox in. So I, I bought the kit, had a nice 4x4 four four cedar thing, got a post hole digger, that's PhD for you, dug the hole, buried it, and uh, I was getting ready to put the mailbox on. And cedar, it's a soft wood. My brother was helping me, he's been in construction forever, so he's like, even you can handle this, Rob. 
You, you just got to pound a few nails into the cedar post and, and you're good to go. So I started pounding and I bent the nail. I'm like, I thought you said cedar was soft wood. It is. I found every single knot, every one of them in that thing. I could not pound one nail into that stupid thing. It was like 98 degrees, 1,000% humidity, and I couldn't get this stupid mailbox together. I had just moved all kinds of stuff into that sweltering sweatbox of a house. I was infuriated. Scott, he comes along, pounds it in just as easy as you please. I had the right tool. I didn't have the know-how. Apparently, I didn't know how to pound a nail into a stump. (laughs) I couldn't do it, even though I had the right tool. But there's multiple tools. I can't use a saw to pound a nail. Now, we see this in churches from time to time. Someone who is absolutely not qualified to do something, but we need a body in there. Hey, you want to do this? Sure. I appreciate people's willingness to serve where needed, but it's a whole lot nicer. It's a whole lot more satisfying to the body as a whole and to the individual when we use the tool for what it was designed to be used for. If you're called to be a worship leader, you might not fit so well as a Sunday school teacher. And vice versa. Now, can you teach a Sunday school? Yeah, probably. I can pound a nail with a wrench. But it's a whole lot nicer when we use the tool that's designed for the task. Amen. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, He gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And Romans 12, 4 and 5 says this, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. We talked about this uh, one Sunday morning, not too, not too long ago. Not everybody is an eye. Not everybody is a foot. And thank God for it. Let the feet do the walking. Let the eyes do the seeing. Let the mouths do the speaking, etc., etc., etc. 1 Corinthians 12, 12-27, since we have three hours, says this, to ride that. <laughs> For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. The foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, 
I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are but now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care, one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. There's so many things I could say about this. It's easy for some to get jealous of the callings and ministries and gifts and talents of others. Man, I wish I had that gift. I have... I'll be transparent. I have in the past envied those who were uh, extroverts. Who could just They never knew people that never know a stranger. They just walk up to someone and they're best friends. I have oftentimes in my past envied that gift. I wish I could do that. I scare people or something. I try that and they got to go. Nine times out of ten. But uh, it's not that bad. But I, I have other giftings. I have other talents. I don't have that one. I could see where that would be very useful. But as an example, God has called me to something else. Those that He has given that gift to, man, use it. Use it. Use it for the glory of God. Man, I'd be all over that thing. I'm all over other gifts. But don't envy. Don't be jealous. He has designated us into His body as it hath pleased Him. He's pleased with where we're at, folks. He's pleased with the gifts that I have. The gifts that you have. The callings that you have. He's pleased with it. We ought to be pleased with it. If God's pleased with it, folks... I don't, I don't see any problem with it. If God is, ple- is pleased with the way He created me, I don't need to be fixed. He's fixed me. <clears throat> He's taken care of everything I need, to be, I need taken care of. I'm not the person I was. I'm the person I'm supposed to be in Jesus Christ. Thank God. We don't need to be fixed. We need to accept the callings that He has given us. We need to accept who He's created us to be. There's a scripture. I hope I'm not going to use it later. 
Does the clay say to the potter, Why hast thou made me thus? First time I read that, that blew me away. I was probably doing exactly that. I can't charge God with folly. I can't charge God with making a mistake. We're not mistakes, folks. We are the way He created us to be. We are the way He wants us to be. Amen. So embrace it. Love yourself. And you know what I mean by that. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We are supposed to love ourselves because God loves us. If God loves me, I can love me. Again, we're not narcissistic. We're not egotistic. But I love me because God loves me. I love you because God loves me. I love Him because He loved me first. Praise God. Amen. Tools don't get to pick who they are. They're made the way they are. Hammer may wish he was a saw. There's no way he's going to be a saw. He's always going to be a hammer. That's just the way it's going to be. We're who we were created to be. We don't get to pick and choose what office we fill, what part of the body of Christ we fulfill. God picks that. Tools need to be maintained. Proverbs 27.17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Being sharpened is fun, isn't it? My wife and I both got sharpened shortly after we got married. Amen. We kind of rubbed on each other a little bit. Wore some rough areas away. Praise God. <laughs> I don't know why I had more than you did. I really thought I was doing pretty good at the time. I thought I was all right. That's what I get for thinking. That's right. Romans five three through five says, and not only us, not and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience experience. That's a loaded word right there. And experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is set abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I heard a, a thing about experience a while back. I'm sure I've shared this to you with you before, but just pretend uh, that you hadn't heard it before. Young executive walked up to the CEO. He wanted to know after a meeting. He wanted to know, man, you you always seem to make the right decisions. You always seem to know what to do. How do you do that? Experience. Okay, well, how do I get experience? By making bad decisions. And then you got to fix them. Okay. Still Wednesday evening, isn't it? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> First Peter 4.1 For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, 
Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Hebrews 2 and 10 says, For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory and make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Amen. How God maintains His tools is a period of tribulation. Thank God for tribulation, right? We ought to be thankful for tribulation. If we knew, if we were persuaded, if we were convinced of what awaited us on the other side of that tribulation, we would rejoice. But mostly all we can see is the storm in the, in the, in the present moment. That's all we focused on. Jesus, when He faced the cross, He despised it. He rejected it. And what I mean by that is He rejected the thought of, i got to suffer for this. He was focused on what was on the other side. You and me. Salvation for us was on the other side of that cross. That's what He was looking at. He didn't reject the cross. Even Jesus Himself was made perfect through sufferings. Another Scripture says He learned obedience through suffering. Do I need to learn obedience? Do I need to be made perfect? I need to go through some things. And my things are going to be different than your things. Your things are going to be different from somebody else's things. Why does he get to skirt through? Why do I have to go through this? Because you're you. You need that. That's a gift from God. I know it's difficult to see it that way. Tribulation, distress, persecution, suffering... These are gifts from God because they perfect us. They bring us closer to Christ's likeness. They bring us closer to our calling. Amen. Tools don't decide when, where, and how to be used. The craftsman does. If I want to use my hand tools, I can use my hand tools. If I want to use a box and a bazooka, I can use that. I get to choose that. The tools don't tell me. They don't tell me who I'm going to use and when. Just like I don't get to tell God when He gets to use me. Or how He gets to use me. Or when He gets to use me. The craftsman decides that. God is sovereign, folks. God is omniscient. And God is good. So whatever He decides to do, whenever He decides to do it, it's perfect. The timing is always perfect. The tools He picks are always perfect. If He didn't choose you, He chose someone else. Praise God. 
He's going to choose you for something else. Because there's no, there's no extraneous material in God's kingdom. There's no tool that... I, I have no idea why I have this tool. I might have one or two of those laying around, but God doesn't. Every tool God has, He uses. So when someone else is being used, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm celebrating with my brother and with my sister. My time's coming. Tools aren't consulted as to the best way to do a job. I don't know about you, Brother Rapids, but when I got all my tools together in the morning, there was no meeting. There was no Monday morning meeting with my tools trying to figure out how we were going to plan the day out. There was no head count. Oh, the hawk must be sick today. He's not here. There was none of that. I grabbed the tools, I threw them in the box or the truck or wherever, the trailer, and headed out. There's no consultation with the tools. I don't receive counsel or wisdom from the tools. Again, folks, God is omniscient. He has the complete picture, past, present, and future. When you begin to meditate on who God is, doesn't it start to seem a little bit ridiculous that we would deign to give counsel to God? That we would think to, to remind Him of things? Did you forget? I can't do that. Don't you remember? I tried that once and it didn't work. God has a design and a plan for how He uses His people. God has a design and a plan for this entire world, folks. For all of history. And He has fit you and He has fit me into that plan. And He's done it perfectly. And He's done it consistently. And He's done it effectually. We don't have to modify the plan. We don't have to give Him an alternative or a different way of looking at things. I know we like to. But we don't have to do that. God doesn't need my input. All He needs is a yes, sir. Yes, Lord. That's all He needs. That's... That's all I'm required to give. And that's comforting in a way, isn't it? That he's not looking for input from me. What would I tell him? <laughs> if he asked me a question, how would I answer? What do you think we should do? I don't know what we should do. I have no clue what we should do. If, if I thought I had a clue, I doubt it would turn out very well. 
I'm going to let God pick me up and use me the way He wants me to. Luke 17, 7-10 says this, But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meat, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. And this is a very healthy perspective to take, I think. I think this puts things in its proper perspective. Yes, Jesus loves us. Yes, Jesus suffered on a cross and died for us. We are the apple of His eye. We are what He thinks about every day. All of that is true. But folks, let's not, let's not carry that too far. Let's remember that we are servants. We are sons. We are daughters. Absolutely. But in ancient times, even the prince, the crown prince, when he came into the presence of the king, what did he do? He bowed before him. He was subservient to the king. Crown prince. Heir apparent to the throne. But he still humbled himself, bowing in the presence of the king, his father. We are sons and we are daughters of the king, folks. That is absolutely true. And we ought to rejoice because of that. But He is the King. He's the King of glory. And He's worthy of our utmost reverence and respect. When I enter into His presence, it ought to be softly. It ought to be meekly and humbly. And with worship and with praise. I don't come barging into the throne room, Hey, Pop! What's shaking? I don't do that. I don't think that's appropriate. All right. We are unprofitable servants doing that which it was our duty to do. When God uses us in a, in a task, a ministry, and He uses us successfully because we submitted ourselves to Him and we were obedient to Him, we ought to feel good about that. But it wasn't us that did the work, folks. It was God that did the work. I'm thankful that He used me to do the work. You're thankful that He used you to do the work. When we witness to someone and they start weeping, that's not you. That's not your eloquent speech. That's the Spirit of God through you. That's God dealing with someone. He's using you to do the ministry. And it's awesome. When we pray for someone to get the Holy Ghost and they get the Holy Ghost, we didn't give anyone the Holy Ghost. 
It's an awesome experience to be used in that. I love that. But it, it's not us. It's all God. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor for whatever happens in and through us. The tool is really only effective if the craftsman knows the job, the craftsman knows how to use the tool. This means that the tool gets no credit or glory for a job well done, but the craftsman. Again, like we said at the introduction, it's not the tool doing it. The tool was fashioned to do it. The tool was designed to do it. But not of itself. As long as the hammer sits on the shelf, it's useless. It's doing nothing. But as soon as someone comes, picks it up and starts using it, now it's effective. Now it's doing something. But it doesn't get the glory. Jesus knows the job, folks. He knows what needs to be accomplished. He's got the blueprints laid out. He's got the whole picture. He knows the job. Jesus knows how to use each and every one of us perfectly. He knows when to use each and every one of us perfectly. He knows where to use each and every one of us perfectly. Isn't that great to know? That's awesome to know. I can trust in Him. All I've got to do is make myself available. All I've got to do is continue to submit myself to Him. When He's ready to use me, here I am. Send me. Freely ye have received, freely give. Now as I read this verse... It seems to me, this is just me, it seems as I read this verse that God is placing the decision, the impetus, the choice to do that with me. Freely you have received, now freely give. That's what it seems like to me. I have given you this gift. Now I'm telling you to go share that gift with others. Now, there are some caveats to this. This idea that I can give this free gift to someone else whenever and wherever I choose. The manifesting of God's gifts needs to conform to His greater will. God's gifts needs to confirm God's Word. If I speak a word of faith, if I speak a word of, of wisdom or knowledge, I can't contradict Scripture with that. If I do, that's a sure sign that that's not the Spirit talking. In the spirit of prophecy, I'm telling you, we don't need the Holy Ghost anymore. Well, you know, straight up, that's not God. It can't be God. It contradicts, clearly contradicts Scripture. Obtusely contradicts Scripture. 
It's got to confirm God's Word. It has to glorify God and not us. As soon as I start desiring the glory, as soon as I start getting the glory, I'm probably done at that point. God's not going to share His glory with someone else. And why should He? I mean, what is there to share? What am I doing? Nothing. I am an unprofitable servant doing that which was required of me. Doing that which God commanded me to do. What glory does the hammer get? Was it the hammer's fault that I couldn't pound a nail into that cedar stump? Should I blame the hammer for that? I can't blame the hammer for it any more than I can give him credit for doing a good job. The tool isn't... It's not the tool doing it. The tool's being used to do it. The manifesting of God's gifts needs to build God's kingdom and glorify His name and not our kingdom and name. I cannot build a kingdom for myself using God's gifts. The easiest example of that is someone gifted with with music or singing. And then they go out to, to Nashville and start making platinum records. I mean, that, that's, a, that's low-hanging fruit. That's an easy example. But you know what I'm talking about. Using God's gifts for my own personal glory. We can't do that, folks. That's not why they were given. That's not why... That's not what God called us to do. They must be given to others as they were given to us. They were given to us selflessly. The gifts that God gave me, anyway, were utterly selfless. He didn't owe me anything. Absolutely nothing. If I want to get technical, He owed me judgment. But thanks be to God, He took judgment for me. God's gifts were given to me selflessly. They were given freely. They were given freely. I didn't beg and plead and moan and cry and kick and scream. He offered it before I even asked. All of these promises that He's given me. These covenant promises. He gave them freely. And He gave them to me unearned. I didn't earn any good thing from God. Again, I earned something from God. And it wasn't good. God took care of that. And, and, He gives me every good gift. Every perfect gift. I can't give something if I haven't first received something. When it comes, certainly when it comes to spiritual things. I've got to receive something from the Lord before I can give it. 
to what gifts has Jesus, Jesus given us? Well, He's given us forgiveness, hasn't He? Psalm 103, 10-14 says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knoweth our frame, He remembereth that we are dust. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians 3 and 13 says, Forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I hope this doesn't sound too harsh, folks, but God has commanded us to forgive. That is a command, folks. And when God issues a command to His people, He gives the power and the ability to obey. If I'm not obeying, where then does the fault lie? I have the ability to obey God. I have the ability through the Holy Ghost to do everything God has told me to do. Amen. If I fail to do that, that's on me. That's not on you. That's not on the devil. That's not on God. That was my choice. Now, the devil may have helped. The devil may have tempted and, and put situations in there. But the choice was mine. I can't blame anybody but myself. You can try. But you're the one that's going to be held accountable. If I don't forgive folks, that's on me. Well, do you know what he did to me? Yes, God knows exactly. He knows exactly what happened. Probably better than I do at this point. We've got to forgive folks. We've got to forgive one another. That is the gift, the free gift that we received of God. Freely ye have received, freely give. He gave me the free gift of forgiveness. Now I've got to turn around and freely forgive you. What other gifts has He given? Unconditional love. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 1 John 4, a lot of verses. 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And, that, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. That's not a characteristic of God. That is who He is. 
He is love. And not eros. Not the other one. Brotherly love. Philos. Philadelphia. All I could think of is Philippi. First John 4.19 We love Him because He first loved us. He loved us with an agape love. King James translates it as charity. I like that. I think charity fits agape love. Completely selfless. Completely looking to the cares and concerns of you and me. And because He first loved us, because we received the love of God, I can turn around and love you unconditionally. I don't need your love. I don't need that love to be reciprocated. Is God's love always reciprocated? I dare say not. But He loves anyway. He loves just as powerfully with all people. He loves you just as much as He loves me. He loves the person sitting on death row, unrepentant, just as much as He loves me. I don't need that love reciprocated. Why? Because I know that I can always go to God and I can receive His love. I am loved. You are loved. I don't need it from anyone else. I like it. I very much enjoy your love, sweetie. But I need the love of God. If I don't have the love of God, if I haven't received the love of God, folks, I'm not going to receive yours either. I'm not going to be able to love you. I'm not going to be able to love me the way God loves me. We've got to receive the love of God. He gives provision. Psalm 37, 18 and 19. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Psalm 37.25 and 26 says, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Psalm 34.10 says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. He provides everything that we have need of and more and to spare. When we have to spare, is it all right if we take some of that and help someone else out? Freely ye have received, freely give. It's all right for me too. We're all together in this. I need to share the abundance of the blessings of God. Material and spiritual. Amen. He provides for spiritual, physical, and emotional healing. Isaiah 53.5 says, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. 
Psalm 147.3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Exodus 15.26 says, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and wilt do that which is right in His sight and wilt give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. He is our healer, folks. I think we all know that. We all understand that. But God heals today. God heals today. He does. Maybe not yet, but He heals. He's my healer. He has healed me in the past. Now, He can heal me a thousand times, but should He tarry, I'm still going to die. It is the will of God to fulfill my days. I will ever hope in His healing power. I will ever hope in the mercies and goodness of God. Amen. John 14.27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He heals us emotionally, folks. There's no need for us to be anxious or fearful or doubtful if our hope and our trust and our confidence and our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no reason to be anxious or afraid or fearful or doubtful. But we can have peace that passes all understanding. That peace doesn't come from anywhere else but God. Joy unspeakable and full of glory cannot come from anywhere else but from God. And when God gives us those free gifts, we can turn around and give them to others. How do I give that to others? Through ministry, through speaking, through being there. Listening. Praying with people. Give them a word in due season. Folks, when everything is blowing up around us and you're cool as a cucumber, people are drawn to that. People want to know what in the world do you have? Are you crazy? Are you insane? Did you have a lobotomy? What's going on here? Everyone else is freaking out. You're not freaking out. Why? Well, this is why. Amen. He delivers from addictions and the power of sin. Romans 6, 6-7 Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Folks, we can share Jesus Christ. We can share the plan of salvation. We can share the Gospel with people. The Gospel that has the power to free from sin. The Gospel that has the power to deliver from the bondage of sin and death and all the power of the enemy. Praise God. We are commissioned to do that. 
we have received commission from the Almighty to do that. Amen. We have received from God as a free gift the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Galatians 5, 16-24. Read that again. We can share those with others. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness. We can share those with others. It's fruit. Let someone come along and pick some off of you. Let them taste it. Praise God. Let them see, let them taste, let them feel the goodness of God in you. We can share that with others. We can give that free gift to others. Comfort in afflictions. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Amen. That same Jesus, that same God who comforted you, who walked through the, the trial with you, who walked in the midst of the storm with you, makes Himself available to someone else as well, going through the same storm. And God can now use you to help with that. God can now pick you up and use you in that person's storm. What an awesome thing that is. You know. You've been there. You've been through it. God got you through it. So now you and Jesus can go help someone else. Amen. Freely we have received, folks. Freely we must give. Everything that God has blessed us with. Not just material. Spiritual. Spiritual things. We can freely give to others love, joy, peace, forgiveness. All of those things that we have freely received, we must freely give. Let's all stand.